Welcome back to Relatively Certain, a science podcast straight from researchers at the University of Maryland. I'm your host, Chris Caesar, and I'm back with a story that returns us to the show's quantum roots, a story that will take us on a tour of geometry, chaos, quantum entanglement, and even time travel. We'll end up right in front of a black hole and ask if it might be nature's ultimate information scrambler. Buckle up for this one, folks. Yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Brian Swingle, assistant professor of physics here at the University of Maryland. And I work on a range of topics, all having to do with quantum physics. Ever since he was a grad student, Swingle has had this major interest in everything quantum, but especially quantum entanglement, the curiously strong connection that can exist between two or more atoms, photons, electrons, or any other quantum particle. You can think of two entangled particles roughly like two coins that can be anywhere, but that always come up either both heads or both tails. A few years ago, Swingle proved that entanglement, this quantum thing that has to do with tiny particles, is intimately connected to another major area of physics, something that usually only comes into play on much bigger scales, gravity. Swingle figured out that if you arranged a bunch of entangled quantum particles in a ring, like around the edge of one of those big bubble wands, you could actually study the particles on the edge from the perspective of the bubble in the middle. The pattern of entanglement in the ring could affect what was going on in the bubble itself, curving its surface in particular ways. And since, as Einstein taught, curved surfaces and gravity are pretty much the same, presto, quantum entanglement looks a lot like gravity. So it's sort of a two equivalent points of view on the same thing. And what's interesting, or one of the interesting things, is that the, the two points of view are very, very different. They involve very different descriptions of the physics, very different mathematics, and very different physics, at least naively. And yet, ultimately, the claim is they describe the same underlying reality. In physics and mathematics, this way of looking at a problem from two different perspectives was around before Swingle's entanglement equals gravity work. It has a technical name, the de Sitter Space Conformal Field Theory Correspondence, or ADS-CFT for short. The words don't matter so much for us, but the idea behind the correspondence is a powerful one. So gravity is very mysterious, especially when you try to combine it with quantum effects. And this antidesitter space conformal field theory correspondence gave you a way of getting at those thorny, confusing questions using a system that you understood better. It turns out that black holes, the unrelenting vacuum cleaners of the universe, are another interesting place to study this correspondence between quantum physics and gravity a connection that may help resolve a paradox that has bothered physicists for decades. To start, black holes already seem to be a bit like a bubble wand. According to the leading theories, anything we might want to know about a black hole lives, in some sense, on its edge. There's no need to look inside. But this leads to a conundrum when you start thinking about throwing stuff into a black hole, especially if you understand it in the conventional way as an object from which nothing, not even light, not even information, can escape. But if you throw something into a black hole, and it somehow ends up represented along the edge, doesn't that mean information can escape? What happens exactly to the thing you threw in? Does a black hole actually preserve information, not destroy it? They're questions that Stephen Hawking famously puzzled over, and the whole set has earned the name 
the black hole information paradox. You know, we, we were sort of told, at least classically, that black holes, nothing can escape. So the information that went in can't come out. But yet, if black holes, if they preserve information, then the information should come out. And you have to reconcile those two descriptions. That's the essence of the black hole information problem, is that the information seems like it's both inside and outside. The problem compounds if you imagine throwing a quantum particle into a black hole. If the particle's information is both inside and outside, it would violate a cherished principle of quantum physics called the no-cloning theorem. Basically, quantum physics doesn't allow you to copy and paste quantum information. What's amazing is that it might be possible to test some of these questions indirectly in labs here on Earth. As Swingle and several collaborators proposed in 2016, given good enough control of a quantum system, like a collection of 10 or so atoms, you can skip all the headache of finding a real black hole to toss stuff into. Running such an experiment comes down to understanding what a black hole does with the stuff it gobbles up. Physicists suspect it might mix up all this information, storing some on its boundary and spitting some back out as radiation. It's a procedure known as scrambling, which is pretty much what it sounds like. Scrambling is a process whereby something that starts simple becomes very complicated, so that you can't really tell where you came from. It's kind of like scrambling eggs, which would make black holes a little less like vacuums and more like nature's ultimate sous chefs. If black holes gobble up information and spit it back out, the reasoning goes, and if they do it fast enough, you'll never have enough time to encounter the same information outside the black hole, and if you're brave, inside, after jumping in. So black holes couldn't copy and paste quantum information, and the no-cloning theorem would be saved. No more paradox. The problem, then, is figuring out how to measure something like scrambling, to see if a black hole or your lab-bound replica is doing it. The way you can think about measuring scrambling actually kind of inspired by chaos. So the characteristic of chaos that I think everyone knows is this butterfly effect, where you know the butterfly flaps its wings and then somewhere a thousand miles away and a day later, the wind is like turning into a hurricane, which wouldn't have happened if the butterfly had not flapped its wings. The outsized consequence of the butterfly either flapping its wings or not is all about pathways. Even though two paths might start at nearly the same place, where they end up can be very different. Determining just how different those ends are is essentially the same as measuring scrambling. The trick to measuring these differences in a lab here on Earth involves, somewhat inconveniently, controlling the flow of time. And that may sound kind of fanciful, how can you evolve something forward and backward in time? But it turns out, thanks to a lot of progress in the control of atoms, molecules, photons, ions, and the like, there are now engineered quantum systems where it's possible in principle, at least for a time, to isolate and control a system well enough that you could actually control the flow of time. So you can sort of make a time machine for people living inside the system in your lab. And this opens up the possibility of actually exploring experimentally this physics of scrambling. And, and because this scrambling is, a, is really a, a process of, of quantum mechanical chaos in the system, it can be diagnosed using the same kind of butterfly-like thought experiments. You basically let your atoms do their thing for a little bit and then give them a small kick, like a butterfly flapping its wings. Then you reverse the direction of time and run the experiment backward. At the end, you compare how close your atoms are to where they started. 
the difference is directly related to how much scrambling is going on in your system. And so that's sort of one, you know, very exciting direction that people are just beginning to work on now. I mean, it's extremely complicated to make these systems and you would need very exquisite control over them. But on the other hand, there's not a lot of other prospect for doing experimental quantum gravity. And so it seems like, you know, a very valuable long-term direction. For his part, Swingle is encouraged that these experiments are now being done, since they can inspire new ideas and research directions. So it kind of opens up uh, a very rich realm of possibility of new experimental questions that you can ask, new theoretical questions you can ask, and lots of new interconnections that you can explore. So I think that's what's exciting about the, the experiments that are starting to happen now. Thanks this week to Brian Swingle for his help explaining quantum scrambling and its importance to black holes. In our next episode, we'll talk to researchers that are trying to measure quantum scrambling in a lab, so stay tuned. For Relatively Certain, I'm Chris Caesar.